From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro, and today we have a super stacked show for you. Today we're talking all about Monday Night Raw from this past Monday, AEW from this past Thursday, and like we do every week here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, we're going back in time, and today we're going to be talking all about the legendary WrestleMania 13. But before we get into all that, I want to thank all my fans from all over the world, Thank you for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Shout out to Circle of Debate. I was on their show yesterday, last night. It was a beautiful show. I had a great-ass time. Big shout-out to my homies at Circle of Debate. Everybody, check out Circle of Debate. Also, this upcoming Thursday, check me out on the Off the Top Ropes Podcast. It is the finals of WrestleNary, and I'm coming for the crown. Anyway... Like I said, I want to thank all my fans from all over the world. I ride for you, so thank you for riding with me, the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Thank you so much. If you don't already, follow along on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. And make sure you follow on Twitch, because we got the dopest Twitch streams there is on the fucking game. We're doing live watch-alongs for AEW, SmackDown, and Raw. And now we're also doing some WWE 2K22 streaming. Yes, that's right. I'm a gamer now, bitch. Anyway, without further ado, let's cut the chit-chat and let's get into this super stack show right now. and gentlemen thank you for allowing me into your morning routine like you do every monday wednesday and friday on the wrestling delorean podcast this past weekend we didn't get the chance to talk about it but this past weekend the wrestling delorean merchandise went live so if you want to support the wrestling delorean podcast make sure you hit up threefallsbrand.com that is t-h-r-e-e fallsbrand.com Go cop yourself one of the three different designs for the Wrestling DeLorean podcast shirts. But while you're there, make sure you do some shopping and check out the best rock and wrestling merch on the motherfucking planet. But you know what? Like I do every week, I'm going to have my homie Mean Gene tell you all about Three Falls Brand. Hey listeners, this is Mean Gene of Three Falls Brand. Are you a fan of wrestling? Are you also a fan of rock music? If so, check out threefallsbrand.com for all your WrestlePunk merch. 
we've got tons of wrestler and band mashup designs to choose from. Whether it be RVD and Black Sabbath, Atsushi Onita and the Lower Class Brats, Doink the Clown and the Addicts, or Mortis and the Misfits. We've got you covered. Also, follow us on Instagram at 3FallsBrand. Again, check us out at 3FallsBrand.com and on Instagram at 3FallsBrand. Thanks, and continue enjoying this episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Definitely check out Three Falls Brand and also check out The Circle of Debate. One of my favorite podcasts, a podcast that I've been listening to for a long time. I was honored to be a part of their show last night. Check it out, Circle of Debate, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, even on YouTube. It was a dope-ass time. I had a great time, and I salute my homies at Circle of Debate. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Also, like I said, this upcoming Thursday, I'm going to be on Off the Top Ropes, Russell Neri's finals. Yes, I made it to the final round. And I will be the final boss as you guys have to go against me in wrestling trivia. Maybe not the final boss. I ain't going to be cocky. I barely made it. But anyway, I made it nonetheless. And I'm looking forward to being on Off the Top Ropes podcast this upcoming Thursday. Thank you so much to all the homies that are riding with the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. All my Wrestling DeLorean passengers that listen to all around the world. I love you all. I salute you all. Thank you. Let's get into today's show. We got a lot to talk about. Today's a super stacked show. We're talking about Monday Night Raw. We're talking about AEW, and we're going back in time and discussing WrestleMania 13. So let's start off with what happened on Monday. Didn't have a chance to really talk about it on the Wednesday podcast because we had a bit of technical difficulties. It's been an ongoing thing, but now your boy got his shit together. We got the good equipment. Now, I mean, sometimes you got to cash out on quality. It's not about it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And I am trying to put out the most quality podcast. And if I have shitty ass equipment, that's not going to happen. But that's no longer a problem. I'm putting out quality now. Like I said, sometimes you got to invest in yourself. With that being said, Monday Night Raw taking place at the North Fork Scope Arena, which will always remind me of the DX invasion of WCW or WCW wrestling. I believe WCW was at the North Fork Scope, North Folk Scope, and that's where DX drove their tank down to invade the enemy. Anyway, this episode of Monday Night Raw, in a nutshell, was good. But there is a lot of controversy coming out of this episode of Monday Night Raw. So right off the bat, before I get into all the happenings of Raw, we got to talk about Sasha Banks and Naomi. Now, WWE put out a release. They put out a, they released a statement, I should say. Gosh, easy for me to say. They released a statement saying that Sasha Banks and Naomi basically walked into John Laurinaitis' office, dropped their titles, and left the arena during Raw. This has got a lot of people talking. Now, there's two ways to look at this. This wouldn't be the first time Sasha Banks walked out. This would be the first time Naomi walked out. If this is indeed not a work, a lot of people think it's a work because it was mentioned on air. It was mentioned by the WWE themselves. There was a release. But before I get into the Sasha Banks, let me just put an end to that. Just because WWE released a statement does not mean that it is a work. They released a statement when John Moxley was leaving the company saying that John Moxley refuses to resign. They released a statement when CM Punk walked 
and acknowledged it on TV because Paul Heyman came out and talked about CM Punk walking. So it's not the first time. I mean, shit, we all could remember when Stone Cold, quote unquote, took his ball and went home, right? So for everybody saying, oh, the WWE wouldn't mention it if it was real. Cut the shit. Just like Jay Cargill to Tony Schiavone. Cut the shit. The WWE has mentioned things like this in the past. With that being said, I don't think this is a work. And if it is a work, it is a work that fooled me. I would have been bamboozled. I would have been hoodwinked. Led astray. But anyway, I think that this is a shoot. I think that this is real. I think that Sasha Banks and Naomi did walk out. Sasha Banks, this is not the first time you walked out when you wasn't feeling the creative, right? When you didn't feel valued. Naomi, maybe she hasn't felt valued. It's not a surprise that Naomi might not feel valued because Naomi, before winning with Sasha Banks, really didn't have much of a role on television anyway. So I'm going to just say right now that I feel like this is real. But I may not think like everybody else, right? Everybody's saying, if you don't like it here, then, you know, you you signed a contract. You got to do what they say. You signed a contract. Don't sign the contract if you ain't willing to work. To that I say, it is time to pull the independent contractor's card. Because at the end of the day, whether you want to do work with the WWE or not, whether you sign your name on the dotted lines, at the end of the day, technically, you are an independent contractor. So as an independent contractor, you got to know your worth. And if you don't feel like you're going to be respected or treated the way you feel like you should be treated, it is your rights as an independent contractor to do what you please with your entity. Now, yes, you are signed to the WWE. You are contracted. This is where things get real convoluted. This is where things get real, you know, a little messy when it comes to the legalities of independent contractors signing a contract and being workers but not employees for the WWE. If the WWE considered their professional wrestlers employees, then, yeah, Naomi, Sasha... You knew what you signed up for. You're in the wrong. But technically, they're not employees. They're independent contractors. This could get really, really messy. I don't see the WWE releasing Naomi and Sasha Banks. I feel like they're too big of stars for that women's division to be released. But Sasha Banks is getting a track record here of walking away when she doesn't feel the creative. Now, I don't know. This is, this is going to be really interesting. This could go many different ways. This could go down the release way. This could go with being fined. Who knows? I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. But that was a huge story coming out of Monday. During Monday as well. Because this happened during the show. It was announced on the show that they will be in the main event. And then the main event got scrapped because they walked out during Raw. Bruh. Insane. Anyway, nonetheless, this was a very good raw. The good was good. The good was good. And that that seems to be 
the constant narrative of WWE television. First off, the cage match. Bobby Lashley and Omos. I'm done with this feud. I'm done with this feud, and I hope that these two guys move on from each other, but I would say that this might have been their best match together. The Bobby Lashley going through the cage door, not the cage door, the cage wall, was a little reminiscent of his spot in ECW when he, well, WWE ECW, when he jumped on Umaga and they went through the, uh, the wall. This was a pretty good matchup in the sense of they met what I expected for them to meet and they added some elements that I thought was a good element, like adding Cedric Alexander into the mix here, trying to interfere, trying to impress MVP to recreate the Hurt Business. I like that. That's fine. But definitely, I'm, I'm a fan of Bobby Lashley winning. It's just, I don't really buy Bobby Lashley as a babyface. Now, in real life, you couldn't find more of a babyface. The guy's a sweetheart. But the thing is, I always felt that Bobby Lashley was a much better heel. You pair him up, you pair him up with a mouthpiece, like you had with him in MVP, he's a main event guy. He's a main event attraction, which he was. So, it's going to be interesting to see where they go next with Bobby Lashley. I just, I don't know. I think they had something great going on with him in MVP. You could have turned the whole act babyface. I didn't think you needed MVP. But then on the other hand, you did need a mouthpiece for Omos. Now, there was the rumor that before Malcolm Bivens was released, he was going to be Omos's mouthpiece. That was just rumor and speculation, but... I do think that you both needed a mouthpiece for Lashley and for Omos. It's going to be interesting to see. Anyway, also on the show, during the show, throughout the show, we had the countdown to Cody. Can't nobody say Cody Rhodes is not the top face of Monday Night Raw when you got a goddamn countdown clock to his promo throughout the night. I see people saying, oh, wow, they're really kissing Cody's ass now. Listen, it's different. It's different. But this is something that we never seen for John Cena. We never seen this for Stone Cold, The Rock. We never seen a countdown until we see The Rock. 30 more minutes until we see Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's interesting to have the Cody clock. Let's see if this lasts. I don't know if it will, to be honest. But I think that it was an interesting thing to try here. Another big matchup on the show, we had Riddle versus Jimmy Uso. These two guys put on a hell of a matchup. Seems like every time you match up Riddle with one of the Usos, whether it's on SmackDown or Raw, you have a great matchup. I'm a little surprised that it was announced that it's going to be title unification on SmackDown tonight. I thought that that's definitely a match you put inside Hell in a Cell for the title unification. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe with Riddle... Attacking Roman Reigns last week. Riddle doesn't, you know... Well, maybe Roman Reigns interferes, causes a DQ. We have the rematch for the unification tag team titles at Hell in a Cell, inside Hell in a Cell. I just don't see this going down clean on SmackDown. I don't know. I feel like this match is too big for SmackDown. This match is too big not to be put on a major show 
a major pay-per-view or premium live event in a major, you know, spot. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight on SmackDown. But nonetheless, Riddle and Jamuso put on a really good matchup. Another fun matchup that I enjoyed watching was AJ Styles and Finn Balor against Los Lotharios, the Lethal Lovers. I I really like Los Lotharios. I, I do. I gotta say, yo, shout out to Angel Garza. Humberto Corillo is a I'm a fan of his, but Angel Garza is a man that I'm really a fan of. And I feel like the guy could be so much more. He was so much more in NXT, but gosh, that's that's the narrative for most NXT call-ups. But anyway, this matchup with Finn and AJ was different. It wasn't it wasn't uh Damian Priest versus AJ or Finn again. We we got a really fresh matchup here, and it was a good matchup. Two very athletic teams. Uh, in the end, AJ Styles and Finn Balor get the victory, and they formed a little partnership with Liv Morgan. As it looks like, this is the three-person tangent to go against Edge's Judgment Day. Now, let's talk about Edge's Judgment Day's promo. The promo by the Judgment Day was phenomenal. I swear, a lot of people were saying, oh, is this supposed to be their House of Black? Fuck that. This is a lot more reminiscent to, I think, Edge's past of, you know, Ministry of Darkness and Brood and all these dark characters and entities that he was before he was the rated R superstar and yada, yada, yada. We saw in the, you know, last year, the Brood bath, Edge coming out with the Brood music, Edge showing this darker side to him. And now it's like he's fully embracing the darkness, right? So... I don't know. For everybody saying, oh, well, this is supposed to be WWE's copy of AEW's this, that, or the... It's not. It's not. It's different. And I like the fact that Edge is channeling something that he had as a part of his character back in the 90s and in the 2000s. It's really cool. And I don't know, like, will this become the new Ministry of Darkness? I doubt it, but it is nice to see a little switch up. Everything about Raw is so bright and polished, right? It's nice to see a darker character, darker faction. We don't really see that too often in WWE anymore. So I'm all for it. And if we get a mixed six-man tag between Damian Priest, Edge, and Rhea Ripley versus AJ Liv and Finn at the pay-per-view, sign me up. That should be a phenomenal matchup. No pun intended. Main event of Raw was nicked. We we were supposed to have a three-way women's tag team match in the main event. But like I said, Sasha and Naomi walked out. So that left us with Becky Lynch and Asuka in the main event. And these two women had a good matchup, but these two women, I think, could have benefited from a little bit more time. In the end, though, Asuka defeated Becky Lynch when she spit the green mist in her eyes with the distraction, the helping distraction from Bianca Belair. So it's going to be interesting to see Asuka versus Bianca Belair at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Nonetheless, Raw was good. It looked like they did have to throw in some audibles. Oh, how could I forget? The countdown to Cody led to Cody challenging Seth Rollins to Hell in a Cell. Cody cut a really good promo. And... I think that Cody versus Seth and Hell in a Cell is going to deliver. Knowing Cody, Cody's going to want to go up top. I think it's going to lead to a very interesting matchup. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Cody versus Seth Rollins is the main event of Hell in a Cell. Anyway, good episode of Raw. I'm giving it a 3.5 out of 5. The good was good. The bad is always bad. But anyway, I enjoyed it. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to be talking all about this past Wednesday's AEW Dynamite. So stay tuned. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy. As Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to go into AEW Dynamite. I thought it was a really, really good show. We covered AEW Dynamite and did a live watch-along on Twitch. And it was a great, great show out. Everybody was showing love, and I got to appreciate and show love back to everybody who follows and watches on Twitch. Follow the Wrestling DeLorean on Twitch. What the fuck are you waiting for? Anyway... We all had fun as we all watched AEW Dynamite, so let's talk about the show right now. 
AEW Dynamite has did it again. They put on a phenomenal show. Now, we started out with the Samoa Joe versus the Joker. And that Joker was Johnny Elite. Now, I'm going to be real with you. When I saw the name Johnny up on the screen, I popped because I thought it was going to be Johnny Gargano. But it wasn't Johnny Gargano. It was Johnny Elites, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, a.k.a. Johnny Nitro, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. John Morrison. He has like 17 fucking names. But anyway, this was a nice surprise. And I don't think he's getting signed by AEW, but I think it was a smart idea to have somebody come in who is not on the AEW roster, who's not going to be hurt if they take a loss to Samoa Joe. Because you have to imagine whoever came in, if it was a name like Johnny Gargano, if it was a name like I saw people saying Cesaro, or if it was somebody of that caliber, you would think that they would have to defeat Samoa Joe because you're not going to have somebody sign and lose on the first night in the tournament in the first round. So with that being said, I thought it was smart. Um, I don't think, like I said, that Johnny Elite is signed to AEW, but this was a really good matchup. Made Samoa Joe look really good. Put on a very athletic matchup. And it also kind of added to the anybody could show up and anything could happen on AEW. So I definitely think that it was a great way to have Samoa Joe advance to the next round. Next up on the show, we had the world champ, Hangman Page versus Takeshita. Now, let me tell you something about Takeshita. Takeshita. I, I hope I'm not butchering his name. I mean no disrespect if I am, but I'm going to tell you this right now. You're going to know I mean no disrespect because I don't know if this was supposed to be a showcase for the champ. Because I left this matchup saying that Takeshita is a star. This guy put on a star performance. My man put on a show. Now, live on the Twitch stream, everybody was like, yo, who is this? Who is this? Is he signed with New Japan? Is this one of the guys we're going to see on Forbidden Door? No, he isn't. He's a star of DDT Pro in Japan. But boy, did he come to show out. He took Hangman Page to the limit. And not only did he take Hangman Page to the limit, he looked like he was going to win. This was supposed to be a showcase for your champion, and you made the other guy look like a million bucks. Now, I would love to see this man back in AEW. I would love to see him back in AEW because this guy is going to be a big star one day. He probably is already a big star. I know he's been wrestling for quite a while. I don't know about his star power in Japan, but boy, this guy is elite. After the matchup, though, of course, Hangman Page wins, but he wins in disrespectful fashion as he hits the GTS in front of CM Punk, who was on commentary. But boy, this matchup delivered like a motherfucker. It was a... Yeah, this was so good. So good. Anyway, Hangman Page wins. Him and uh, CM Punk go face-to-face. It looks like CM Punk is in the head of the Hangman, though. It looks like he's in his head. Next, we got... The uh, next match in the Owen Hart tournament, it was Kyle O'Reilly versus Ray Phoenix. Another match that definitely showed out. Another match that definitely lived up to the hype. These two te- these two guys put on a phenomenal show. Their, their styles mesh so well. So much great action. I can't even go over it. Like I, I was rooting for the both of them. I'm a fan of the both of them. And the fact that they had me on the edge of my seat the whole matchup 
that that's a testament to both of these guys, these elite athletes, these these international superstars. In the end, though, Kyle O'Reilly advances when he puts on a arm bar on the injured arm of Phoenix. But boy, this was a phenomenal matchup. Go out of your way to see Phoenix versus uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Definitely a great, great matchup. It is announced that next week we'll be seeing a three-way. It will be Jungle Boy versus Ricky Starks versus uh, Swerve Strickland. I think that will be an amazing three-way. And it is announced that we'll see a three-way tag team match at the pay-per-view for the tag team champions as it will be Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus versus Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs versus Keith Lee and Shane Strickland. That's going to be a banger of a matchup. On the show, we also had the face-to-face confrontation between Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society and the combat Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and William Regal. Chris Jericho was going extremely far on the mic here. Now, I, I'm not going to say I was triggered by anything. Like, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not like that, right? But when he was talking about John Moxley's rehab and the drug addiction of William Regal, like, shit was hitting, you know, close to home there. I think that it was an amazing segment, and it is exactly what, you know, people like Vince Russo always talk about, how you have more intrigue in a matchup when there's elements of reality. There was a lot of reality talked about here in this fucking showdown here. I think that this matchup is going to be phenomenal. We're going to have a crazy hardcore brawl, it seems like. A, a war, inmates running the asylum at uh, Double or Nothing as the Jericho Appreciation Society goes against Santana, Ortiz, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson at the pay-per-view. But bro, this shit is wild. Wild. Anyway. Main event. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We got we we gotta talk about Maki. We gotta talk about Maki. Maki Ito, the Joker for the women. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. When I saw Johnny Elite as the Joker for the men earlier in the night, I was like, oh wow. I think that this means we might see Taya. I would have loved to see Taya. Taya versus Britt Baker would have been a phenomenal matchup. Taya with her Canadian roots, this being for Owen Hart. I thought it would have been great. I was not expecting Maki Ito to be the wild card or the Joker. Now, I've seen this getting a lot of hate. Maki gets a lot of hate. Personally, there's other women I would have liked to see in that spot. But I'm not going to hate on Maki Ito. She definitely, whether you love her or hate her, had the people talking. And like I mentioned on the Twitch, whether you're happy or not, Listen to the crowd. Take your personal feelings out of it for a second and listen to the crowd. She had those people going. She had the people going. People were chanting. The people were behind her her innovative offense. That's that's what air quotes. The people were behind her charisma, her singing. So love her or hate her, you got to respect her. But I think it was clear... It was very clear. We all know it was going to happen. Britt Baker defeats Maki Ito and advances to the semifinals where she will be facing Tony Storm next week. Now, that's a matchup that you could sign me up. By the way, by the way, 
Next week's AEW Dynamite looks to be super stacked. Bro, the go-home show to Double or Nothing looks better than Double or Nothing. (laughs) That show looks stacked. Next week, you're going to have... Oh, wait, by the way, you also had the main event. Before we talk about next week, let's end about this week. The main event was Jeff Hardy versus Adam Cole. A lot of sloppiness in this matchup, but in the end, Adam Cole picks up the victory with the help of the Young Bucks. We will probably be getting the Hardys versus the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing, and Adam Cole advances. Good matchup, but like I said, it was some sloppy moments. But yes, next week we'll be getting Samoa Joe versus Adam Cole. Next week we're getting Tony Storm versus Britt Baker. Bro, next week's card looks stacked. Uh, Insane. Next week we're getting that three-way between Ricky Starks, Shane Strickland, and Jungle Boy. AEW's on a roll, and they don't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Tony Khan is not fucking around. Bro, put that shit on the shirt. Three Falls brand, put that shit on the shirt. Tony Khan is not fucking around. I've been saying it week in and week out. And I am being proved correct every week. When AEW goes balls to the motherfucking wall every Wednesday on TBS. Anyway, when we come back, we're talking about the legendary. Probably for one matchup, but still legendary nonetheless. WrestleMania 13. So, stay why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. gentlemen like we do every week here on the wrestling delorean podcast we go back in time and talk about some classic wrestling action and this week is no different we're talking all about wrestlemania 13 a wrestlemania that was surrounded i think by two matches but one match in particular stole the show and is the only match that was talked about coming out of this wrestlemania and that was bret hart versus stone cold steve austin 
in their submission match with Ken Shamrock as a special guest referee. But that's not the only match that happened. So let's talk about WrestleMania 13. This WrestleMania was a good to decent WrestleMania from Chicago. But, 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 there was one match that is legendary. There was one match that was a classic. There was one match that was an absolute war. And because of that matchup, I feel like I enjoyed this WrestleMania as a whole even more. Even though it wasn't the best, a lot of this did feel like Monday Night Raw, which was, you know, eh. But we got to talk about it. I'm going to talk about that match when we get to it. But we are live from the Rosemont Horizon, live from Chicago, Illinois. We got Jerry the King Lawler, Jim Ross, and Vince McMahon on commentary. We start out with a four-team tag team elimination match for the number one contenderships. For the tag team titles. It is the Godwins versus the Headbangers versus the New Blackjacks versus Furnace and LaFon. Quickly things break down in this matchup. Uh, the Blackjacks get DQ'd when they take out Furnace and LaFon outside. Who still the referee counted them out when Furnace and LaFon got hit with chairs by the Blackjacks. Uh, it don't, like, I don't know. That didn't make too much sense. The Blackjacks get DQ'd. But because they beat up the wrestlers with the chairs. They still counted them out. That was weird. So quickly we had two teams eliminated quickly in this matchup. And it came down to the Godwins and the Headbangers. Things got real physical between the Godwins and the Headbangers. In particular, Mosh and Phineas Godwin. When Godwin spit in Mosh's face and Mosh slapped the shit out of Phineas Godwin. Which looked like Phineas Godwin then sent a receipt with a live round. Shit was looking a little, you know, a little real there. But anyway, the Headbangers win when they and they're going to be getting the title shot 24 hours later on Raw is War, which we'll be covering next week. Next, we got the Hockey Talk Man out for commentary for the next match, the Intercontinental Championship matchup between the Sultan with the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund versus Rocky Maivia. By the way, we got two cousins battling out here. If you're not aware, the Sultan is the cousin of the Rock, Junior Fatu, Rikishi. Uh, I don't know why I said Junior Fatu first. I should have just said Rikishi. I think his uh, I think his WWE name was a lot more legendary than his TNA name, don't you think? But anyway, uh, this was a decent matchup. You know, the Rock speed was you know too much for the Sultan. The Sultan starts really taking it to the Rock earlier on in this matchup. He hits a few big slams on Rocky Maivia, then hits a diving headbutt. It's actually started to become a really good matchup. Rocky Maivia makes a comeback, interrupting. Interrupted by the Iron Sheik, the Sultan hits a big super kick, then a pile driver just for a two count. Rocky Maivia then he wins with a sneak roll up pin, which I, I never liked the the roll up sneak pins or the sneak wins at WrestleMania. I feel like we should have you know clean pinfalls at WrestleMania. This is supposed to be the blow off to every you know feud here, but the Rock sneaks one, he wins. But the real story comes on what happens afterwards. Iron Sheik puts The Rock in the camel clutch after the Sultan hits a big slam. You know, these guys are a little bitter. He puts The Rock in the camel clutch trying to make him humble. You know what I mean? Make him humble. Uh, then we got the return of Soul Man Rocky Johnson making the save. Sultan nails, uh, he nails Rocky Johnson with the Iranian flag. They start to beat down Rocky Johnson. The Rock fights off the Sultan. Rocky Maivia hits a big scoop slam on the Iron Sheik. Then Rocky Johnson hits a big scoop slam on the Iron Sheik. Iron Jeek, Iron Sheik, and we got a father and son embrace in the middle of the ring. I think that this may be the only time The Rock shared the ring with his father, Rocky Johnson. I don't know if you guys are a fan of the show Young Rock. I've been loving that show. 
Like, there's, you know, moments about it that's, like, obviously a little bit over-exaggerated. But it was cool to see, you know, like, watch Young Rock and The Rock talk about how much his father meant to him. And then me putting it on this show and you got The Rock, the real Rock, Rocky Maivia sharing the ring with his father, Rocky Johnson. I thought it was a really cool moment. Next, Ty Pettengale's backstage with Ken Shamrock. And Ken says that if Austin or Brett get out of line tonight, he will not be intimidated and he will take either of those two men down. For the next matchup, we have the grudge match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China versus Goldust and Marlena. This was a good match. These two guys have great chemistry. A lot of, you could, you could feel the intensity in the match. A lot of stiff strikes by both these men. In the end, Triple H gets the win when Goldust accidentally knocks Marlena off of the apron. Marlena's caught by China, who just manhandles her in a bear hug. And then Goldust is distracted. Triple H turns him over and hits the pedigree. One, two, three. Hunter Helmsley wins the matchup. We next get WWF tag team title match between Vader and Mankind versus the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. The match starts with Vader just clobbering Owen. Owen Hart and the Bulldog playing babyfaces here, which was interesting because all four men in this matchup are heels at the time. But a very solid match. But the ending was a double count out. Now, week in and week out, I do the Raw reviews, and I say that there was way too many fuck finishes on Raw. There was way too many finishes where there's a DQ or a double counts out, or just ways to make neither participants in the ring lose. And I think that it is extremely corny when you have a pay-per-view like WrestleMania, the granddaddy of them all, the biggest show of the year, and you do the same shit that you do on Raw at WrestleMania. You had The Rock already get a roll-up pin. That was excusable. Because it was still a clean victory. But a double count-out at WrestleMania? Bro, you could miss me with that bullshit. Real talk. Miss me with that bullshit. <sighs> anyway, I'm not going to get so mad. Because next we have the absolute most legendary matchup, in my opinion... We have one of my favorite matches of all time. We have the submission match with the special guest referee, Ken Shamrock. It is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. Quickly, during the matchup, well, as soon as the bell rings, Stone Cold Steve Austin tackles Bret, and we are right away in a big brawl between these two. These guys are fighting in the crowd, which is, I think, a first for the WWF. I may be mistaken, but it wasn't too often before this that you had two wrestlers fighting in the crowd. But, bro, the crowd was eating this up. This was an absolute brawl. In the ring, Bret Hart is working over the injured knee of Steve Austin. Bret Hart puts on the figure four onto Austin using the ring post. Bret brings a chair into the ring, and he wraps it around Austin's leg, kind of like Austin did to Brian Pillman at In Your House. Going to attempt to break the leg of Austin as he goes up to the top rope. Stone Cold pops up, nails Bret Hart with the chair, Crowd just roars. Legendary moment. We see Bret Hart's daughter in the front row crying. Steve Austin then locks on the Boston Crab trying to get a submission win. A submission win here. You know, Stone Cold is not really a submission wrestler, but is a submission match. He needs to make Bret Hart tap out. Bret Hart gets to the ropes and Austin refuses to break the hold. So Ken Shamrock gets in Austin's face, but Austin's not backing down. This is the world's toughest son of a bitch that you're talking to, Ken Shamrock. I don't care if you're the most dangerous man in the world. You're talking to the toughest man in the world. 
Outside, Steve Austin is busted wide open when Bret Hart throws him face first into the guardrail. And like a shark, Bret Hart is just hammering away on the bloody wounded Steve Austin. He is hammering away like a fucking shark that smells blood. Bret Hart then uses the chair on the injured knee of Austin, just demolishing him. Austin fights back and kicks a mud hole and walks it dry on Bret Hart and then flips him off, which was something that we didn't see much of in the WWF at this time, but definitely became synonymous with Stone Cold Steve Austin. At this point, Bret Hart nails Steve Austin with a ring bell, just opening up the cut even more. Bret puts a sharpshooter onto Steve Austin, and this is the legendary moment where Austin does not quit. He's fighting the, uh, the sharpshooter. He has blood running down his face into his mouth. He's screaming for pain, but he will not quit. He loses consciousness, though. He didn't quit, but he did pass out. His body quit on him. He did not quit. Ken Shamrock is forced to stop the matchup. Bret Hart continues the attack after the matchup. Shamrock hits a waist lock takeover on Bret Hart. Bret Hart just looks shocked and backs down to Ken Shamrock. Bret Hart's getting booed. We get a double turn here where Bret Hart is being booed. He's the heel, and the crowd is on their feet. Standing ovation chanting, Austin, Austin. What a legendary double turn here. What a legendary. You had the face of the WWF for many years, Bret Hart, turning heel as the badass heel Stone Cold Steve Austin turns face. What a legendary moment. I I can't even do justice. My, My recap of the match doesn't even do this match justice. Go out of your way. Like if you've been living on The Rock and never seen this match, go out of your way and watch WrestleMania 13, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. You will not be doing yourself any favors if you call yourself a wrestling fan and never seen this matchup. We next get the Chicago Street Fight between the Nation of Domination versus the Road Warriors and Ahmed Johnson. There's a lot in this matchup that I didn't like. You know, I didn't like the use of the noose. The fact that you had a noose over the neck of Ahmed Johnson and a noose over the neck of of uh, Farouk. It's going a little too far. It's a little, you know, insensitive if you ask me. Uh, we got a very gang-like fight. A very ECW-esque fight between all six men here. It was a, a moment where Animal uses a what he thought was a gimmicked fire extinguisher. But it wasn't. He used a real fire extinguisher on Farouk. Sprays him in the face, and you could just see the whole front row, including the commentary, choking. Choking at the fire extinguisher. There was a gimmicked fire extinguisher under the ring, and a real one, and Animal pulled out the real one accidentally, thinking it was the gimmicked one, and caused a lot of people to just choke. And he did it right in the face of Farouk. Like, Farouk definitely could have, you know, been out with that. The fire extinguisher was actually used twice, and you could just hear commentary just choking. And then Hawk finds the gimmick fire extinguisher, uses that, and you can see the clear difference where one is shooting out smoke and the other one's shooting out actual chemicals. But anyway, a lot of crazy action, a lot to, uh, you know, there's not a lot that I could talk about here, but there was a lot that went down. Just, you know, every weapon being used, very ECW-esque, like I said. Funny how the King was all over this, but every time he brought up ECW, he was talking shit about how they use weapons, but whatever. In the end, Hawk, Animal, and Ahmed Johnson win with the Doomsday Device on Crush. Ahmed Johnson and LOD then hit a Doomsday Device on PG-13. Next, we got Bret Hart coming out, not Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels coming out for commentary in the main event. It is Sid versus The Undertaker. Before the match gets underway, Bret Hart comes out. He says that Sean is a phony faker. Take your pussy injury and find your smile and go home. 
Bret Hart is a heel's heel coming out of tonight. Anyway, Vince is holding Sean back. Sean wants to fight Bret. Bret, does, Bret Hart then says that Taker lost his friendship when he slammed that cage door on him this past Monday on Raw. He said Sid is a fraud and he doesn't deserve to be champ. He is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And at this point, Sid hits a massive powerbomb on Bret Hart and tells him, take your wired ass out of here, sissy boy. Hobble along crying, you crybaby. Taker then attacks Sid. The match officially starts. And we got a typical big man match. I think that it was cool for Undertaker to be rocking his old school attire that he debuted in. Uh, Sid looked good. Sid was still over with the fans. Taker was just a little bit more over. At this time, like I said on previous episodes, Psycho Sid was a star. People was really riding with Psycho Sid. But Taker's the legend. Taker's the godfather. In the end, the right man went over. Undertaker hits the Tombstone Pile Driver for the win. One, two, three. We have a new WWF champion in the Undertaker. I like Psycho Sid's title reign. I think that Psycho Sid being a heel, but the fans love him. I liked it. I thought that it was, you know, a little ahead of its time. But that door is over. I, I, I think that Taker goes on here to be champion, and I don't think Psycho Sid really wins the title back. I do think that, you know, I, we see Psycho Sid for a little longer here, but he's not long for the world of WWF at this point. But definitely a good WrestleMania. But boy, was it carried by that Stone Cold and Bret Hart matchup. I enjoyed this matchup so fucking much that I actually enjoyed the whole show anticipating this matchup and was so, you know, over the moon with the matchup that everything that happened afterwards, it was just there, but I was still rocking with it. Good show. I give it a 3.5 out of 5 stars. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, you're going to catch me on Twitch tonight for SmackDown and for AEW Dynamite, I mean Rampage. Also, check out the Twitch streams this coming weekend. We're going to be twitching uh, some gaming. We're going to be doing some WWE 2K22. So if you're a gamer, follow the Wrestling DeLorean on Twitch. Also, follow the Wrestling DeLorean on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod, TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod, and on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. Check me out on last night's edition of Circle of Debate and check me out this upcoming Thursday on Off the Top Ropes Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend and we'll be back here Monday with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Love you guys. Peace out. Bed Bath & Beyond is back with more to choose from than ever before. At the new Bed Bath & Beyond, you'll find all the products and brands you love along with a huge new selection of furniture, decor, and everything else you need to create the home of your dreams. All in one amazing online store. Download our new app and save even more with exclusive deals and offers. Plus, get free shipping right to your front door. Welcome to a bigger, better beyond. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever.